You've heard the word this morning. That puts you ahead of most of the people in the world today. Do you realize that? You have heard from God. And it is my prayer that we will, in the next few minutes, hear from God personally and powerfully through His Word. We've been talking for this month about prime directive. What is the purpose of our lives? What is the purpose of our church? What is the most important thing of all for all of us? And we've agreed that that consists, first of all, of the great commandment. The first and great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And then the second is likened to it, shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. That is the prime directive for our lives. That is the prime directive from our church. But last Sunday, we talked about the Great Commission. There's not only the Great Commandment, there's also the Great Commission. That is, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world and to every creature. You see, it works this way. If you love God, you will love people. Because God loves people. And because God loves people, if you love God, you will not only love people, but you will care about their souls, and you will take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. I said our purpose as a church is to lead you to faith in Jesus Christ. We express our love for God, and we express our love for you by bringing you to God. It's like this. You love God so much, you just can't stand it that everybody doesn't love God. You want everyone to love Jesus the way you love Jesus. That becomes our prime directive. Love God, love others, and reach the world. Now, focusing on that, then, looking at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will be my witnesses. Now this is Jesus speaking just before He ascended to heaven. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. I don't know why I didn't. I meant to highlight Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now what we're talking about, last Sunday we talked about making disciples of all nations. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is sort of like an, an explanation of how that takes place. We are all to be witnesses. And looking at this in the context that it was given, given to that first church in Jerusalem, Acts 1 8 was prophetic for the Jerusalem church. But for us, it is instructive. In fact, you can look at that and realize that, in a sense, Acts 1.8, Roger, is a prophecy of the progression of the gospel of Jesus Christ as it was spread by the Lord's church after he established it during his own personal ministry. That they started in Jerusalem, and they would be continue to be witnesses in Jerusalem. But they would not only be witnesses in Jerusalem, but they would expand that witness and be witnesses in all Judea. Uh, by the way, Judea, Ju Judea, uh, I will confess, Kelly, I misspelled that in your worship guide. So before you come to me and say, 
you added an H. Yes, I did, and that's wrong. This is the correct spelling. But they would be witnesses not just in Jerusalem, but all, in all of Judea. And, and not only that, but in Samaria. And I will tell you in a minute that I think that was a bit of a shock to them to hear that they had to witness to Samaritans because they hated Samaritans. But not just that, but to the end of the earth. If you read the entire book of Acts, you will discover that they indeed began in Jerusalem and they expanded to Judea and then to Samaria and to the end of the earth or the world as they knew it in their day. Someone asked me during our Barnabas class, our small group, what do I think that was? Where do I think the end of the earth was to them in that day? Well, Spain is the most distant place that's mentioned in the Scripture. Paul said that he was going to go to Spain. He did not mention anything beyond that. I think he probably had an idea perhaps a little beyond Spain, but they probably did not know a great deal geographically, ethnic, uh, ethnologically uh, beyond Spain in their day. That was the end of everything. Man, Paul wanted to go there. He wanted to go to what he conceived to be the ends of the earth. The end of the earth is a little further away in our day. Not that we have necessarily gotten the gospel to the very ends of the earth. So this was a historical progression, but there is a danger to us. Some people have equated Jerusalem as being our city. And they say, once we reach our city, then we can go to all Judea. And I guess that's supposed to be the state of Arkansas or, or something. And so we, we do Jerusalem, and when we're done there, we go to the state, and then unto Samaria, and I'm not sure why they equate that with the United States. That doesn't necessarily say anything good about the United States, but that's what they try. You know, this is old Baptist tradition. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria is the United States, and then to the ends of the earth. And the problem with that is the notion that, you know, Isaiah 1.8 was prophetic for the Jerusalem church. For us, it is, it is instructive of how we're supposed to be doing that. And we have to understand Acts 1.8 not as a consecutive plan, one at a time, but as a concurrent plan. That means all at the same time. You see, when they took, Ryan, they, they didn't stop reaching Jerusalem and then go to Judea. They continued their witness in Jerusalem at the same time that they were going to all Judea. Then when they started to go to Samaria, they didn't stop in Judea and say, okay, we're finished there, now we're going to Samaria. And, and they, there never came a time that they finished the work in Samaria and said, okay, now we're going to try to reach all of the known world. Chris, they did it at the same time. And there is a danger that we might think that our responsibility is to our Jerusalem and we wait until we finish our Jerusalem and then we go to the other places one step at a time. That is not the case. I remember very well on one of my early trips to Mexico near about a hundred years ago. 
I was visiting with Berea Baptist Church in Monterey, Mexico. I was in the pastor's home. We were talking about the growth of the church and what the church was doing. They were doing a great job in reaching out into their city. And I asked him in that day, when will the day come that our churches in Mexico will send missionaries to foreign countries? He looked like I had slapped him. That was, he was shocked. He said, oh, we have to finish our work here before we can do that. I said to him, if that's the case, number one, if the people who brought the gospel to you had had that same attitude, you would not be Christian right now. Because the gospel would have never made it to Mexico. Not only that, if that is your attitude, this church will never send a missionary out of Mexico to reach the people in all of the world. Listen to me. Our responsibility is for all of those, for Jerusalem, for all Judea, for Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're responsible for all of them and all at the same time. Now, you've already seen that I'm, I'm not really comfortable with the idea of Jerusalem means North Little Rock, Little Rock, metro area, and Judea is the state of... Uh, I'm, I'm a... I may rock your understanding of what those terms mean. Now, Rodney told me earlier, and I've, I've lost Rodney now, but um, he told me earlier that I needed to slow down on my slides, and I responded by putting more blanks in your worship guide than I've ever had before. So I'm going to try to do a better job, Mark, of, of going slow enough, or actually I'm going to try to put the slides on early so you can write in the blanks and have time to do it. But Jerusalem, our first place that we're thinking about is Jerusalem. And I want you to understand that Jerusalem corresponds to those who are closest to you. Those who are closest to you. That means closest to you, first of all, relationally. That is, your family, your children, your parents your grandparents, your grandchildren, your cousins, your uncles. It means your dearest friends. It means your co-workers. I'm talking about people with whom you have enough of a relationship that when you say, how are you? It's not just a formality. They understand that you really want to know. Now, you know, I've learned foreign languages and the danger is when you're learning a foreign language that you want to ask, you know, you want to learn how to say, how are you? Well, that's not how other countries say hello. It's, you know, we say hi. Um, Julie Rogers was in the first service, and Mike Rogers always says, howdy. That's sort of strange to be in Romania, and he speaks to folks and says, howdy. Um, greetings are, are different. Our normal greeting is, hello, how are you? And some people say that to you, and Carter, they really don't want to know. They don't want you to tell them how you are. They don't want to hear it. It's a formality, Pam. They don't mean it. Please, They would say to you, if they could really be honest, I don't want to know how you are. I don't want to hear it. I want you to say, fine. That's the correct answer. Little kids in Kenya 
would come running up to us and use all the English they knew. Keely, they would say, how are you? Fine. They would answer their own question. How are you? Fine. How are you, Mzungu? Fine. They, they weren't really asking the question. When we talk about people who are close to you relationally, you know who we're talking about, Amber? We're talking about people who care enough to hear how you are. When they say, how are you? They really want to know that they, you have a relationship with them. I would say to you, this is what we call the high road of evangelism and of witnessing. Because you have a relationship with them. Your friends, your co-workers, you talk about everything in the world. That means, friend, you have the right to ask them about their eternal destiny. Where will you go when you die? You have the right to ask them, do you believe in Jesus Christ? What have you done with Jesus? And, and by the way, the most important, if you haven't thought about this, I, let me tell you, friend, that the most important question you will ever deal with in your life is what will you do with Jesus? What about who He claims to be? What about His death on the cross for your sins? What have you done with that? And guys, listen, don't miss this. The fact that you have that relationship with someone gives you a tremendous influence in their lives. And you can win them to Jesus. Do not miss that. They are close to you relationally. They are close to you geographically. That, that may mean that they're your neighbors next door. The neighbor across the street. We, we visited with the... Um, boy, my mind just went blank. We visited with JV and his family. And the neighbors next door bought the house without knowing who was in the house. And then found out that that was their sergeant. That was Clint and Andrea. They, they bought the house next door to the Williams without knowing who lived there. Am I right? Yeah, and, and then found out, well, that was his boss. Well, that was pretty cool. By the way, the way they figured it out, they saw JV's pickup in the driveway and they got to church and the pickup was sitting here too. Well, that pickup's everywhere we go. You know, it's, it's at the police station. It's at that house. It's at church. Uh, Who's your neighbor? You know, we're, we're not as good about knowing our neighbors as we once were. But when somebody, when God puts a no, neighbor next door to you, He puts them geographically close to you. That is your Jerusalem. That's somebody that God has put in your circle of influence to give you the opportunity of winning them to Christ. You need to understand that those relationships and that geographical closeness is your most effective witness. It's not the only witness you should do, but please understand it is the most effective witnessing that you will ever do. In fact, I would say to you that perhaps no one else in the world will have the same opportunity, will have a better chance of leading those people to Christ. If you don't reach them, who will? 
Who will? I think we need to hear the warning that God gave the prophet in the Old Testament, but the prophet Ezekiel. He said to him, If I say to the wicked, and this is a quote, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you, Ezekiel, do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But get this, his blood I will require at your hand. Keely, unfortunately for us, that means that when God puts somebody in our way, He puts them in our circle of influence, and they don't know Jesus. They're lost. They do not know Christ. We talk about not yet saved. I like that, Pam, better than I do lost. Not yet saved. Because there is a hope that they will be saved, and that we'll be a part of that. That if they do not yet know Christ, they have not come to faith in Christ, We've already said our purpose is to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ and to help them grow in faith and to walk in faith in Jesus Christ. And if we don't do that, Andrea, the Bible says that their blood is on our hands. I don't want that. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to say to me like He did to Cain, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Reach your Jerusalem. That is your most effective mission field. That is your most effective witness. Reach your Jerusalem. That is those who are closest to you relationally and geographically. Okay, but then there's Judea or Judea depending on how you choose to pronounce it. Judea represents those who, all around, who are all around you, but you don't yet know them. They are close, but unknown. Now, that would represent, for most of us, our neighborhood. Now, look, when I grew up, I grew up in a small town in the hills of North Alabama, and everybody knew everybody else. My, my dad owned a business in town. He was a plumber, an electrician, a, a contractor. And everybody knew Herschel Rayburn. Uh, if they didn't know Herschel Rayburn, I assure you they knew my mother. My mother was a nurse, and she was one of the two head nurses in the only doctor's office in the whole town. And so everybody knew Grace Rayburn. In fact, just about everybody in town had been shot by Grace Rayburn. Now, you, you understand what I mean, shot, but, you know, from the context of a nurse. In Australia, they call it getting a jab. Um, that's, getting a jab sounds a whole lot more pleasant than being shot. But anyway, my mom given shots, injections to probably every resident of Winfield, Alabama, and so everybody knew Grace Rayburn. Of course, what that means is I couldn't get away with anything. I mean, everybody knew my parents. We know where you, we know your parents. There, I guess there's a downside to everybody knowing everybody else, and that was it for me. But we knew our neighbors, we knew everybody on the road that we lived on. It was called Main Street, but it was a road. And we knew everybody. I could tell you the name of every single person and their children 
between our house and Zion Missionary Baptist Church, where I grew up, which was about a, a half, a, about a third of a mile away. I knew everybody in every house along the way. I don't know everybody in my neighborhood now. And I say that somewhat to my shame. In fact, uh, somewhere along the way, we're going to talk about the art of neighboring. Charlotte, that means you find out who you, the neighbors are around you. Uh, pick, start with four houses, two across the street and one on either side of you. Learn their names. Learn their children's names. Find out what they do for a living. Get to know the people in your Judea. Those are the people who are close but are unknown. That makes them a little harder to reach because they're easier to ignore. Roger, we drive past their house. You may recognize them as your neighbor because you've seen them in the yard mowing the grass or raking the leaves or hopefully not shoveling snow. But nevertheless, you've seen them and you've waved at them. Now, uh, you guys are, most of this crowd's too young to know this, but when I grew up in Alabama, the Alabama wave, Cindy, was, you know, your hands at the top of the wheel because we didn't have power steering in those days. And your hands at the top of the wheel and you wave by doing this. You know, you, you raise one finger. And you don't do that anymore. For one thing, the one finger salute has a different meaning today because it's a different finger. And, and if you do that, you may get a return salute that's not very pleasant. We, we don't do that anymore. You, you wave a different way now. You may wave at them, but you really don't know them. You know that's my neighbor, but you don't really know them. But that's our Judea. It's easy to ignore them. When you go into Walmart, if you can find somebody to wait on you and check you out, that you don't have to check yourself out at the self-check counter. If somebody does finally wait on you and check out your purchases and let you pay, that person has a real tendency to become invisible. And I would say to you, that's your Judea. And you need to wake up and you need to form a relationship enough with them that you could to invite them to church. Now, I'm not talking about scalp-taking evangelism where you try to beat them over the head with a Bible. But listen, you know what? If you're excited about this church, you'll invite people to come join the excitement. And I hope you're doing that, not just in your Jerusalem, but in your Judea. I will be honest with you, that's a less effective witness it's your witness is not as powerful where there's no but that does not mean that you should not be witnessing and that you should just give up on your Judea you need to try to reach them I tell you whatever it takes we need to reach out I think about the neighborhood around us we need to be realistic our neighborhood around us is not our Jerusalem. It is our Judea. It's not our Jerusalem. That's where we have common knowledge. We have relationships. Our neighborhood behind us and across the street is a harder field for us to reach. And it takes more effort to do it 
do not forsake your Jerusalem for the sake of your Judea, because it is less effective, requires more effort, but just because it requires more effort, effort doesn't mean you ignore it. We have to do it. I was in France. Something that came of that visit to France, and the Philip said they're watching again this week. We, they were praying through the outlying villages not far outside of Carcassonne, France, where they live. And they were praying through. Their plan was to go and visit very quickly three different villages in a day and pray for that village. Well, I found out real quick, I pray slower than that. I needed more time than that. And at the third village we went to, it was a village by the name of Lavalette. And I, something had occurred to me, and as I walked along, Ryan praying, I, I got to putting my hands on the houses. The houses are right it's the street. That's the way the villages are. And I would put my hand right, I, I would touch the building, Charlotte, and I would just breathe a 10-second prayer for the people in that house that God would send the gospel to them. And I did that so much, Phyllis, I started walking with the limp because it gave me the excuse to lean on the wall. You know, if I'm limping along like an old man, then it's okay for me to lean on the wall. And they, you know, because it looks sort of strange, I'm going to touch in all these houses. But I prayed for every single one of them. And before I left, our plans had changed and what the Phillips are doing now is focusing on a village, one village, every time they go. And they try to walk every street in that village and pray for the people in every house. Put a hand on the, on the mailbox or on the gate or on the wall and pray for everyone in the house. That has given me a burden for our Judea. I have a burden coming back from there and doing that for walking the streets, every street around us and praying for every person in every house. In fact, I want to put a door hanger on the door that says, I'm Lynn Rayburn, I'm the new pastor of Faith Baptist Church, Faith in LR. And I came by your house and I prayed for you today. And everybody needs a pastor now and then. And if I can ever help you, if I can ever be a pastor to you, here's my contact information. I want to do that. I need some of you to go with me to find time and pray for every house on every street around us and reach our Judea. Not just our Jerusalem, but also our Judea. We also need to reach our Samaria. Samaria represents those who are close geographically, but very different culturally. Now that's the way it was in that day. Cindy, they, Dennis, they, Samaria was close by, but they were of a different religion. They were somewhat different racially, ethnically. They were different linguistically. Uh, they were different. And we have all around us. By the way, there were Samaritans in Judea. They were not just limited to Samaria. That's where they were from. But they were, there were Samaritans even in Judea. We have around us 
an ethnic mix. We have around us in our neighborhoods a racial mix. And I will say to you that we should be reaching out even to people that are very different from us. Just because there's a racial difference does not mean that we should not love them and try to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the people because they're ethnically different. I hear a lot, and I see a lot on Facebook about illegal immigrants. And let me tell you, if you hate people because of their nationality, you need to get on your knees before God and get right with God. Now, I am a political and a financial conservative, but there are some ways, people, that we need to be vastly liberal. We need to be liberal in our loving. We need to be liberal in our giving. And we need to be liberal in our acceptance of people. And we need to be liberal in sowing the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are willing to go the extra mile and to reach those who are different from us nationally, culturally, linguistically, or even by their religion, or even they're of another political party than you or I may be. Boy, I didn't get many amens to that, did I? Thinking it doesn't count, Roger. Listen, we need to reach our Samaria. They are those who are very different from us, but they still need Jesus. You may have to learn. See, it, it, it's, they're difficult to reach, but we have to make the effort. You may have to learn a few words of Spanish or a lot more than that of Spanish. By the way, I can't resist this. What, what do you call somebody who speaks two languages? Bilingual. Thank you, Andrea. What do you call somebody who speaks three languages? Thank you. Trilingual. What do you call somebody who only speaks one language? What? An American. I say that to our shame. You may have to learn to speak a different language. You may have to go out of your way because these are indeed the people that we have a tendency to shun or even hate. But hate is not of God. Love is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you love God and if you love your neighbor, you will share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. The other then is the most difficult of all to the ends of the earth. That represents those who are beyond our horizon. Those are people who we will never see. Now I thank God that God has brought the nations to us through immigration, through college transfer programs. God has brought the nations to us, but that does not Take from us, that does not absolve us of the responsibility of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world 
and every creature. Understand that. They are beyond the horizon, but they still need the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the ones who are the most difficult for us to witness to and to reach for Christ. Nevertheless, we must recognize our responsibility. Jesus commanded us as a church, as His followers and as a church, He has commanded us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world and to every creature. So, how, do you, how does that work since we'll never see them? Well, it will require purposeful going and our sending. You know, I remember when I came to Faith, Faith in Alar um, 18 years ago. For most of those years, I've been a missionary of the church. But I remember the vision of this church when I came. Some of you may think, those of you who've been here a long time, may think that I came to the church and brought that vision, and that is not the case. The vision was already here. When Robert Francis stepped up from being youth pastor to being lead pastor, senior pastor, he asked the pastor emeritus, the old pastor, Freddie Holmes, he, he said to him, I want to lead our church to be more mission-minded. Freddie Holmes said to Robert, you need to get Lynn Rayburn in here. I didn't bring the vision. The vision was already there. What I did was to help the church to, to know the practical way to fulfill that vision. You know what the vision was? Is that when young people would grow up in this church, they would have already been trained to reach Jerusalem and Judea, and they had already learned how to reach out to Samaria through mission trips and mission programs, and maybe had even been on a foreign trip before they graduated high school. So that when they finished high school, it would be a natural thing for them to want to serve in an internship on some foreign field. Maybe for two months, maybe for two years. It would be a natural thing for them. As a result of that, Cindy's daughter, Dennis and Cindy's daughters, in working at the Mexican border, Katie Valladeras, is a product of that. Ben White is working in church planning uh, and surround the sound, Seattle, Washington. Uh, we've got kids scattered around the globe because of the missionary ministry of this church. The problem is that vision has flagged, has waned over the years, and it's time for us to regain our vision that we are raising up members of our church, young people in our church, who have a heart for souls and to reach their world for Jesus. Love God. Love others. Reach the world. We may never go there. We may never see them or speak to them. But we can send someone to share the gospel of Christ with them. And if they receive it, if they believe it, then one day we will see them in heaven. Won't that be a glorious day when we meet somebody who was saved because of a missionary that we sent or a missionary that we supported? That is our responsibility. 
we must reach our world for Jesus Christ. Reach your Jerusalem. God has given you those relationships to give you the opportunity of reaching the people He's put in your life, that He's put close to you. Reach your Judea. Reach the people that you've not yet met by meeting them, by forming relationships. Reach out to them. Yes, break up new ground by praying. Start praying now for the neighbors you haven't met yet. Pray for the people that you'll run into, your Judea, as you travel through the day. Break up new ground by the power of prayer. But sow the seed. Share your faith. Reach even those who are, who are different from you. Witness to them. Just tell them what God has done for you. Reach your Samaria. And reach your world. 